good day. Good day, mate. <laughs> that was a good um, Australian accent, wasn't it? It was. It was. Um, kind of. You're getting better with your accents. Hmm, thank you. I have been practicing. Good. 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 Um, I'm not going to do an accent today. I'm going to spare everyone one of my accents. Okay. Just today. One of them. We'll be back <laughs> another day. When you're on top form. Yeah. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right. Um, I I particularly enjoyed us getting together earlier um, in the week and uh, going to the podcast studio. Oh, You've yes. forgotten already. Oh, my Sorry. God. Oh, that feels like ages ago. I know. It oh, feels for those like who are listening, um, it was All Nighter. All Nighter Studios? Yes. Look, look. All Nighter T-shirt. Oh, you got the T. Wearing a T-shirt. I wore mine yesterday. You should have told me we could have been twinning. No, but now we're doing the reverse. Black, white, white, black. True. That's good. It's like we almost um, plan this stuff. Almost. Almost. Um, It'd be good if we did. But yes, All Nighter Studios in East London we went to and it's a new studio where you can go and record your podcast, you can go and do a DJ set. What other studio? They had another studio, right? Oh, singing studio. Yeah, yeah. It's all audio stuff. Anything to do with recording Mm. audio. And um, I think they're working on the visual side of things as well because they talked about having a separate site for photography right and um getting green screen in there and all of that kind of thing but Mm. the one that we were at was just audio and it was it felt so professional yes it did it was nice to be in the same room for once yeah oh can't we go every week and just um record episodes there (sighs) if only one one day yeah one one day when we've got the budget um to um have a whole day in London. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. But yeah, thanks, All Nighter Studios. That was fun. And we recorded some new sound bites, oh, which sound really professional in everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. About time, innit? About mm-hmm. time. Women Who Rebrand the Podcast. Honest and humorous conversations about the transitional phases people experience to grow, start over, or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by Sreet Fontaine and Chioma Ololei and features special guests who are professional rebranders. The podcast covers starting over at different stages of life, championing personal growth, aka a personal rebrand. Today's guest, C. Yeah, we've got a lady who's going to come in a minute. Lenise Brothers joining us today. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by her name, like Lenise Brothers. That surname must have caused so much confusion. Is it Lenise's brothers? Is it <laughs> the like the sister of Lenise? I don't know, but yeah, just it's it's a wonderful surname. But anyway, Lenise Brothers is joining us, and she I've got so many mm-hmm. questions for her because she's an expert in all things nutrition and period, right? Yes. So she is um, a yoga teacher. Everyone seems to be teaching yoga these days <laughs> if they're doing mindfulness and stuff like that. Um, a registered nutritionist um, specialising in women's health, hormones and the menstrual cycle. Mm. Um, but she's also got her own podcast, which um, she talks about all this stuff, period mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And she is an author. She's got a book, You Can Have a Better Period. 
Mm. Cool, man. So yes. we have, do you know what I realised today? What's that? We have met her the first time, and I think the last time for me, the only time, um, we were at um, a retreat mm-hmm. and she was talking and I remember being mind blown by the information that she was sharing yeah, about same. nutrition. Same. And there was that one question everybody was hung up on because you know when you're doing a a talk you have to have different segments and you know move on Mm -hmm. you can remember the um thing we were all stuck on was it about the oil mind blown is it the oil yes the margarine how you shouldn't (laughs) be eating margarine because basically essentially it's just like plastic Plastic. don't quote me on that but we were all like sorry what (laughs) excuse me and like this is it sunflower spreads and all that that wasn't really she said something about rapeseed because I think I'd switched to rapeseed recently thinking that it was really Mm. good for me and then Mm. she said something which made me think again so I know that well I don't know if about rapeseed but Mm. olive oil I used to cook Mm. with olive oil a lot and yeah Mm. I realized I think possibly her or someone else shouldn't cook with it because the way it breaks down isn't good for you you're supposed to have that stuff raw yeah it's a dressing not cooking oil yes yeah what do you cook I cook with um coconut oil what do you cook with so I I have many oils for many different types of cooking. So I've got coconut oil. Mm. I still have rapeseed oil in my repertoire. I've also mm. got um, toasted sesame oil sometimes for stir fries mm. and ground nice. nut oil when it's a little bit of a heavier oil that I need. Sometimes I, I fry my potatoes in ground nut oil. <laughs> yeah, so loads of oils. But I don't know, like, are they? should I be using all of them? Maybe Lanise can refresh us yeah. a little bit. Lanise can tell us because um, she'll know. She's an, a, a registered nutritionist. Who else yeah. is going to be able to tell us? No um, one. No but, one. yeah, it's funny because, like, um, you go to school and you just get taught the basics. Like, back in our day, what was it? I can't remember how many fruit and veg. Was it seven back in those days or five? Five a day. It was. So it wasn't even. Yeah. They didn't even talk about eating fruit when right. I was at school. But then recently, it's not? five a day. <laughs> no, I mean you. You had. They said yes. Uh, you eat fruit and veg. Hold on. Hold but on. But not. There wasn't a number. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. Five a day. Hold yeah, yeah. That's recent. Day. That's recent. Oh yeah. I, so, okay. But yeah. even more recent than that. Apparently, yeah. that's a lie. You're supposed to have ten. <laughs> ten. Did you not know? How can you have ten? What would you be eating? Like literally nothing um, but fruit and veg. Probably my diet. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you could do it really easily. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I got my my go to is going to Subway and not having the sandwich. I have salad and it's a whole box of salad with a bit of meat or fish, like tuna. I didn't know they did salads in Subway. Mm. Yeah, you basically, yeah. See, they should, um, and it's good, you know, because Mm. if I'm eating out and I can't have gluten dairy, that's just an easy go-to, isn't it? It's like, Mm. okay. But yeah, Yeah. 10 a day is very hard for the average Joe. (laughs) I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I barely get my kids to eat five. But then, actually, when you think about it, okay, is it fresh? Is it fresh fruit and veg? 
or is it anything like could would a stew constitute some of your 10 a day See, I think we need to ask Lenise about this because mm. in my mind don't they say when you cook it it's rid of the majority or all of the nutrients mm. so it's a bit mm. pointless so eating raw <gasps> raw diets too there's so many different types of diets see oh man I did raw for a while it didn't have a good that outcome wasn't. yeah it was <laughs> I think I took Why? it too far and I, I, this is, we might have to put some kind of, I don't know, age rating on this because the content is going to get slightly graphic. So um, I was eating, I used to buy stir fry, just bags of stir fry and eat the stir fry, just plain, put it in a bowl, add a little bit of something yeah. like sweet chilli or whatever. And um, yeah. nice, nice. one day I really needed to do what I thought was a passing of the wind oh um, no I don't want to know see I don't want to know see <laughs> I don't this is too much for me this is really really graphic um too yeah much. so use your imagination guys um but that's what a raw diet what? did to me and then I was like yeah I think I need to start supplementing this because uh this is it's gone too far it's gone way too far do you know what let's let Ladice in Carry on mm. this little conversation because <laughs> I need to know where you went wrong. <laughs> right. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Lanice, so, you're glowing. Oh, gosh. oh that's the skin is looking. <laughs> Go on, Sarita, sorry. It's because she's a nu- nutritionist and knows what to exactly, eat. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Unlike us. That would be it. So we were just laughing. <laughs> we were just laughing because we were talking about how um, the last time we met you, it was at a retreat and you were doing a workshop and we were all a bit mind blown about, um, I think it was margarines and why we shouldn't be eating that. And it's like, we all just couldn't get past that mind boggling thing like, we thought we'd been doing good for so long. And then you come with this thing that was just like, no. <laughs> but then, um, C was talking about, um, what was it, C? Um, eating oh, raw food, raw. raw food yeah. diet. Yeah, and how and I got on a like, real health tip for a while and um, decided I was going to just eat raw vegetables with a little bit of protein okay. on the side um and then I'd just eaten it too much and I got to the point just before Sarita stopped me where I was saying that I thought too I much. was going to pass wind and I was um too much see I don't <laughs> want to hear me. she stops me but then it, it, it wasn't coming next. yeah it wasn't that and I, I I had no control it was like my insides were just processing all this food so quickly in and there was so much fiber and whatever going on and <laughs> and it was just like a health explosion in my tummy and in my insides and I had to start quickly eating some carbs and stuff because like it, it was just too much so I, yeah yeah I needed some stodge in there um so that's clearly not the right way to eat healthily so we wanted you at some point to give us some guidance around what I should have okay. done to prevent other yeah, people okay. from making the mistakes <laughs> that I made. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lenise. This is but this anyway. is not what we planned. But I was going to say, 
stuff like that is different for everyone, isn't it? Not everyone's yeah. guts are the same. Yeah, I, not everyone's guts is the same, but also there's no TMI with me. Like, <laughs> I was like, listening to it, okay, tell me more. So, yeah, how did you feel? Like, I, I, hear, I, I hear it all. So, I'm kind of like, okay, and what else? What else? <laughs> Lise wouldn't have stopped me. Have she to, wouldn't though. have stopped me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because she's the professional, see, mm. not me, not mm. I. Mm. But I'm going to say, as a nutritionist, you probably do need to hear everything, and including the outcome. And, um, yeah, so whatever you pass, it, you need to know what it was like, what it looked like, the consistency, because that gives you the clues. <laughs> it? No, it's true, though. It gives you the clues to what's it going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I'm reminded of that Gillian McKeith programme. I can't remember what it was. And she used to examine people's poo. And um, it, it was it was super gross. But you can tell so much about someone's diet from their poo. I don't know how we're stuck you, on poo you, right you now. You really but... can yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. we're meant to be talking about periods periods and diet that's what we want to talk about <laughs> this is part of it see this is part of it so yeah. see to put your mind at rest and to yeah. end this poo chapter <laughs> Linise, what is the perfect poo <laughs> so ideally what you want is to have to look like a snake so mm-hmm. you want it to be easy to pass. It needs to like feel solid. You know, like you've gone, you've sat on the toilet, and you need to feel like you've emptied you emptied your bowels. You want it to feel complete. You want to feel like you don't want to wipe too much, um, but you just want to feel like you you've passed something. It should look like a snake, not pebbles. Um, and ideally, you're going first thing in the morning or in the morning and mm. every day you want to be going every single day and you know even like a couple times a day oh that would be the dream mm. yeah. i say that would be the dream so i've got ibs um so everything you've said is like yeah that would be lovely <laughs> <laughs> that'd be lovely but yeah not for me mm. um unfortunately so but yeah yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. See, you're happy? I am, I am. And do you know what? Sometimes, I, I must say, and then we can really move on from this poo chat, but what you're saying <laughs> is like when it is like a snake and it comes out and like there's not, sorry, a little bit TMI, but then you don't have to wipe too much. Like it's just as if it's yeah. it's cut off at the right point. That is so yeah. satisfying. I just feel like yeah. so much lighter and I can just get on and all that bad stuff's out of my system. It's, it's the best poo ever seriously yeah i we actually release we release endorphins when we have a bowel movement mm. yeah so that's why like if you like have a good poop you just feel lighter and you'd actually just feel a bit more relaxed yeah is this why i'm always miserable <laughs> <laughs> unfair okay well thanks for that and thank you for joining us Lenise um (laughs) (laughs) we did give you a brief intro before but would you like to introduce yourself properly to our lovely audience yeah sure so my name is Lenise Brothers I am a yoga teacher and registered nutritionist specializing in women's health hormone and the menstrual cycle and I'm the author of a new book called You Can Have a Better Period. 
we have so many questions for you like literally so many and um I know that well you've got your your podcast and you answer lots of questions on there and you've also you're on Instagram doing lots of reels and funny stuff and whatever and and making it super accessible to everyone which we love um I, I like Sarita said when we first met you it was out of retreat and you were talking about periods and diet and all of that kind of stuff. And and I'm so glad that we've got this opportunity because I've got a question that I want to ask you. We may come on to it later on. So I'm going to hold off. But this is like what I've been waiting for so long. Like you don't even understand. I've, <laughs> I've had this question for so long. But yeah. Anyway. I mean, she's fangirling right now. I don't know if I you am can tell. hard. <laughs> hard. <laughs> I love it. I love the opportunity we have to talk to experts. It's just brilliant. Lenise, Women Who Rebrand is a podcast about rebranding, about growth, about natural progression. Obviously, you didn't come out of the womb being a nutritionist, obviously. Can you explain your career journey um, and what you've done so far to get you where you are today? Yeah. Okay. So I, when I went to university, I actually studied political science and history which a lot of people are surprised about when they they find out. Um, but I thought that I would eventually either be a journalist or a lawyer. And I, I, am, I guess I'm a journalist in a way in that I am producing a lot of written content. I've written a book, but I'm not in, a journalist in the sense that I thought I was going to be. I used to write for the university newspaper, um, and I just, I loved it. I still love writing, but I really, that's what I wanted to do. And then I graduated from university, ended up going to teach English in Japan for a year. And then I came to the UK because I'm Canadian and I went, grew up in, in Toronto, went to university in Montreal. And I came to the UK and I just, just, Felt like I found the place for me. I just loved London so much, and I loved the vibe. And I just felt like, like it really clicked. London was like like a place where I just really clicked for me. So I ended up doing a graduate, a master's degree in marketing, and then started working in advertising. So I worked in advertising for about fifteen years. I was working in digital strategy and communication, working across lots of different clients, Apple, Chanel, Pepsi, um, like lots of the Unilever brands like Purcell and Lynx. Um, And I actually loved it. I worked in advertising for a long time and it was just, I felt like that was where I meant to be. I was meant to be. I was really enthusiastic. In the work that I did, I loved traveling. I loved interacting with lots of different clients and trying to figure out how to best communicate about their brand and their products to their audience. I loved it until I didn't. There was a point where I just got completely burnt out. I was, so this was when I was working on Chanel. I had a global role and I had a team in Paris and I had a team in London and I was traveling every week 
back and forth between Paris and London, spending like a couple a couple days a week in Paris, staying in hotels. So I'm very familiar with the whole hotels in in central Paris. If you ever need a recommendation, um, but I was so stressed out. The job, the clients were a nightmare, and I. By the end of my time working there, I was like, something has got to give. But I wouldn't admit that to myself. It was just this thought that was ticking in the back of my mind because I was like, well, this is what I've wanted. You know, I'm. It's a global world. It's Chanel. Isn't this amazing? And you know, on the surface, yes, it was. It was travel, and you know, but anyone who travels for their job. Will tell you that it looks glamorous, but the reality is not. It it's just a lot of like hotels, a lot of late nights, a lot of coffee, a lot of alcohol, a lot bad of like food. moments. Yeah, bad food. A lot of moments in between where you wish you could just be at home instead of in this other place. Yes, it was great, and like I went to a lot of cool parties and got lots of cool. Gifts and dinners and all of that, but you know, it was just kind of it was just stuff. Happily for me, it I got pregnant, and that forced me to make a decision because I thought to myself, I cannot keep living like this and with a child. I know there are some women do, and you know, more power to them. I love that for them. But for me, I just I was like I just can't I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it, so I took a year off. I was really fortunate to be able to do that, and during that year off, my mind was going all of these different places. Like, what should I do? How should I retrain? Should I go freelance? And by the end of it, I I was actually in a way I was another. Decision was forced on me because my employer at the time was messing me around with my return to work. I asked to go back for I think a staggered return, yeah, three days, and then eventually four, and then eventually like some sort of flexible working situation. They said that this at the level that I was at, like my seniority, they they couldn't let me. Uh, work flexibly, which seems crazy. It seems crazy nowadays. You no, know? definitely, definitely. Uh, and so I thought to myself, you know, like, like you know, well, my language is a little bit more spicy, but I was like, <laughs> forget this. <laughs> um, and I decided uh, an amazing coincidence was that I had been approached by this freelance this recruiter saying did I want to start working freelance so I started freelancing in advertising and um, then I decided to retrain as a nutritionist so it was just kind of again these decisions that have been forced on me but when I look back now I just think you know what like I can't imagine doing anything else. You know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like serendipity in mm-hmm. the best possible way. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so I retrained as a nutritionist. And then I um, also did my yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And all the while working, freelancing alongside, freelancing four days a week, doing my training at the weekends. So it was just very intense. My, my son was, at the time I started, he was one. So, you know, doing all this with like a little, he was a baby at that yeah. point. So yeah, that's, that's my journey. That's my rebrand. And Ooh. it's just been, it's fantastic. I, I love this actually, because it's given me the opportunity to actually think, oh yeah, I did. I, that's where I came from. Yeah. I, you know, and I made this massive change. Mm. Which is obviously wow. beneficial because you, I can see the happiness, I can see the joy, and then I watch everything you're doing online. It's like, yeah, you're where you're meant to be, doing what you're meant to be doing. Yeah, I really feel that. The more people we talk to, the more we hear a similar story, that it's not that they've planned this life for themselves, but things just happen and the elements fall into place and then suddenly they find themselves on a journey to this happy place that they're in where they're living their their dream and and it it maybe even wasn't something they thought they would be doing a, a long time ago but it's what they're doing now and it's them being their best selves and I love it I love the fact that it's flows like that it's just it's wonderful very very reassuring to hear that for people who aren't so planful with their lives as well yeah and I I, I think it's important to remember that it's never too late you know, you don't have to decide everything in your 20s. You know, mm. life isn't over when you turn 30. You know, you can make these big changes and you just have to have your support system, but also believe in yourself. Definitely. Most definitely. And that's what our podcast is all about. Lanise, <laughs> <laughs> you um, obviously support people with the journey through um, the menstrual cycle and and other conditions that they might be suffering with that might affect their menstrual cycle um, and I guess we all know that we have this menstrual cycle and we all know that we have these hormones and the effect that some of them have on us like the endorphins when you do a poo and stuff but can you tell <laughs> us a bit more about the hormones um, and the way that they might impact us and, and why they're so important. Yeah, sure. So what's really interesting is when we, when we talk about hormones, we tend to only focus on the hormones that affect our, our, our reproductive hormones. So estrogen, progesterone, maybe testosterone. But we don't realize, or most of us don't realize or don't know that we have around 50 different hormones and they guide so many of our different fun our bodily functions so you have hormones that help you sleep hormones that help you digest your food hormones that affect your metabolism your the way you grow hormones that you know help help you connect with others so, you know when you're you're breastfeeding you're releasing this hormone called oxytocin or if you give someone a hug you're releasing this hormone called the oxytocin which is the hormone of connection so we have all of these different hormones and they're kind of ticking along in the background guiding us rather that they don't control us they guide us they guide our different bodily functions 
and then just bringing in menstrual health and the menstrual cycle um, into that mix. We have this cycle that we go through every menstrual month, and that could be, you know, 21 days, it could be 35 days, it could be anywhere in between. And within that cycle, we have these hormones rising and falling, affecting our periods, but also affecting ovulation. And those hormones, they have an effect on our mood, our energy levels, um, the way we want to move our bodies, um, how social we feel, our communication. And I think it's so fascinating when you take, you reframe the way we think about our hormones and you think of them as guiding us because that kind of insight changes the way that you connect with your body. So if you know that actually, you know, I am ovulating right now or I'm about to ovulate and say you're, you're, you're dating, you're, uh, that would be a great time to go on dates. Whereas because you're more social, you want to be out in the world. You have lots of like, your testosterone is increasing. So you're more willing to take risks. Whereas when you have your period and your estrogen and your progesterone levels are at their lowest points, this is a time where we're more introspective and that we're, we're more willing to kind of dig a little bit deeper and look I kind of what is going on in our lives. So that's where you want to take stock. And this is all kind of guided by hormones. The, the way they rise and fall has have these effects on us. And I think it's really, really, really fascinating. Of course, I would say that because that's the work that I do. But <laughs> as a kind of average person, I, I think it's really beneficial to un- have this understanding and think about how you can use this to change what you do in your day-to-day life. It makes sense, though, because if you are in tune with what your body's doing, then you are going to be more perceptive and aware. It's like when we were talking to um, Dee about knowing the moon cycle, and obviously our periods are in tune with the moon cycle as well. And there's certain things she was saying, well, when the moon cycle's like this, you should be more aware of this and in tune. So it all kind of just goes together. And it's like a your own personal guide. Yeah. So you have the moon cycle. Um, and it's interesting because you can tie in your your own menstrual cycle into that. Sometimes it connects and sometimes it doesn't. Like you don't always... When you have your period and where the moon is, there's different, they, those different cycles have different colors. I'm not an expert on this. So um, there's like the pink moon, the blood moon. Um, yeah. I think it's the white moon. And that's all dependent on where the moon is when you get your period. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that kind of ancient wisdom that can guide us today. And speaking about hormones, this leads me on to the question that I've been dying to ask you for about three years. <laughs> so um, I have been using the coil as contraceptive and I use the coil with the hormone in it, which hearing all of the stuff you say is probably something that 
I should have thought a little bit more about given how important hormones are, but we are where we are. So that messes up your periods. And um, sometimes I don't have a period for a long time. Sometimes I bleed for a very long time. It's all whatever the weather. So what you're saying around how, like if you're dating, you should do it when you're ovulating and, and maybe you're a bit more intro, introverted when you're on your period. I and many women who are on the hormone coil probably don't have the luxury of being able to know when those bits are happening for us because our cycles have just been thrown completely off. So is there any advice that you can give to people like me on how we can better regulate our lives, how we can get that guidance, even though we've messed up our menstrual cycle with this random hormone? Well, I would say that, you know, you you haven't messed up your menstrual cycle. It's just about you made a choice that that was right for you when you decided to have the coil fitted. Um, you know, it's I think it's really important to I hear this rhetoric online about, you know, hormonal contraception is bad and we women shouldn't be using it. And I think that's really damaging because it makes people who are using hormonal contraception feel like they've made the wrong choice for them. But the reality is, is that if you're making a choice where you're, it's very informed, do you understand what it is and the potential side effects, then you can feel the best and you're okay with those, then you can feel like you're making the best choice for you. And, you know, you kind of choose your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, and not to go on a rant about that. <laughs> but thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so when you, with the marina coil, so you have this coil that's releasing um, small incremental doses of synthetic progesterone. And so what happens is that you, you will be ovulating, but the synthetic progesterone will keep your body in a state where it's not that it thinks you're pregnant, but it won't take you to a place where you're able to, um, you know, if you have unprotected sex, you're able to conceive. And so you are kind of going through a cycle, but it's in a, it's different than if you weren't, to, if you didn't have the coil. Um, and so you have it, you may have a bleed. Sometimes you may not. Um, and that blade might look different. So if you want to tap into the kind of this cyclical wisdom that we've been talking about, I think for those who are on hormonal contraception, the best thing to do is to tap into moon cycles, the lunar cycles, because we do. And this is also something I say to women who are menopausal as well and who have gone through who are postmenopausal. There's a lot of energy that we can get from the moon. So think about how you feel during the full moon. And there's research that shows that it our sleep is affected because of it, the effect that the light from the full moon has on the pineal gland, this gland in the brain, um, that it affects our it the pineal gland, which affects our relationship to sleep and melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. Um, So 
Yeah, I think the lunar cycle could be really, really interesting for you to to tap into. There's a great book um, by a lady called Tamara um, Dryson. It's called Luna. Um, and she goes quite deep into the moon and the cycles and what everything means. And that could be quite interesting. Thank you. I will add that to my list. Is there anything um, nutritionally that can kind of aid that as well? Like working in conjunction with following moon signs, uh, sorry, not moon signs, moon cycles. What sort of things should um, people be eating to aid that? Um, I mean, it depends on where you're, where you are. So if you're, if you're menopausal, then you're kind of eating in a different way than um, someone who is perimenopausal or still in their reproductive years, but just using hormonal contraception. So it would, it's not really like the moon is a way that we track our energy and our mood. But in terms of what we do nutritionally, it's kind of, it's not really connected to to the moon, I would say. But in terms of having sort of, um, so Cease doesn't know how to track her periods and they might be off or slightly different each month. Is there anything, and I'm assuming that's going to make your hormones all over the place. Is there something that can help balance the hormones whilst tracking? So whilst on the, on the marina coil? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Or does it so, just do it all synthetically for you? It doesn't balance your hormones per se so you're you're so you're releasing this you're getting this slow release of synthetic progesterone and so that will have an effect on you because that type of progesterone is has a different effect to the progesterone that we produce naturally when we ovulate and that progesterone is when we, we produce when we ovulate is it's naturally anti-inflammatory it's very very calming so for those who are listening who are cycling without contraception you'll notice that after you ovulate you have this kind of you still have a lot of energy but it's kind of calmed it's tamped down by progesterone where you just kind of feel like you're you you have this less busy energy that you you do right before you ovulate but when you're using the coil for example what i always say is that you want to make sure when you're using the coil to really support your gut your gut health and support your liver um because the coil can disrupt the gut bacteria in your gut and our gut is where we break down not to get too technical but is where we break down um one of the places we break down estrogen after our body has used it so it's not really about balancing hormones while using contraception it's about supporting your body while you're using it and making sure that you know you're optimizing your gut health your liver function so that if eventually you do have the coil removed, there is you kind of are in a really good place, and there isn't a kind of bounce back of any of the symptoms that originally um, were, were re- the reason why you wanted the coil fitted in the first place. Does that answer your question? Yes, and it makes sense. Okay. I think because I had the um, 
coil and it didn't agree with me. I had like stomach pains and stuff like that. But it makes sense because of the IBS and I didn't know I had IBS at the time. I was having digestive issues and painful stomach aches. And I guess that makes sense, but they didn't put two and two together because the doctors aren't trained in stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, because one of the side effects of having um, the Mirena coil is digestive issues. So the bloating is a really big one. So that's something I see quite often. So they just gave me more stomach issues on top of stomach issues, basically. Great yeah. stuff. <laughs> but also, and this is maybe to do with um, like uh, stages of life, because I had the marina coil back when I was a young thing, and it, I had no bloating then, and um, and then I had it. I'd got it taken out, and I got it put in many years later, and suddenly I'm bloating up like a puffer fish. I'm just like enormous, and I like it wasn't something that I'd even thought about because it didn't happen before. So why would it happen now? But clearly your body changes and what, what's it like every seven years it, it, it changes or whatever. So I, I'm reacting to it in a completely different way than I did before, which, which is crazy to me, but also not when you think about the biology, but yeah, so all of these things need to be factored in. It, it, it can affect you in different ways at different stages of your life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, the classic example I I I use in, in that situation is that what works for you in your twenties isn't necessarily gonna work for you in your thirties. It definitely is not gonna work in your forties. You know, you your body is different, your hormones are changing, and you need to look at where you are right now and like the whole picture of your health rather than looking into the past. When it comes to periods could your periods be completely different depending on your age? Yeah, they can. Okay. Yeah. So when you first get your period, so we call that menarche, so the, like puberty, and often what happens is that it can take a while for the body to figure out the level of hormones to make and kind of to adapt to all of these hormones that just have just started to rise, you know, adapt to ovulation the release of progesterone and this rise and fall of um estrogen and then bringing testosterone and some other hormones so this is where in like in some teens they find that they get um their periods can be painful or irregular or really heavy in the beginning and then they get sometimes what happens is that they get diagnosed with pcos and they don't necessarily have PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's just that their hormones are regulating and their body is just trying to find a balance. And they get put on the pill when really it's just kind of what's the body just, as I say, trying to figure out a balance. And then you go into your 20s and then your 30s and then kind of in your mid-30s, you can find your period starts to change um, because we we have a finite number of follicles which turns into mature eggs which we release when we ovulate and some some women in their late in their late thirties they start to experience changes in their period and 
they think that maybe they're they're menopausal, going through early menopause or perimenopausal. But then we also, in that situation, you have to kind of factor in everything else that's going on in their life. Because if you think about your life in your like late 30s, your 40s, there's a lot going on. You know, you've got kids that are growing up. You've got work, you're either self-employed or you're employed, you're trying to figure out that. You know, you've got what's going on with your family, whether your parents are kind of shifting into a new stage of life, aging, health issues. And all of that is, and of course there's more, but all of that is very stressful. And that stress can have a massive impact on your menstrual cycle because and your period because your period and your menstrual cycle are a vital sign they're an indicator of the the current health status of your body and then so that can change your period and then you get into perimenopause which is typically starts around 45 and it's just that you have this finite number of follicles which turn into mature eggs so you're not ovulating every menstrual cycle, and that has an effect on your estrogen, your progesterone, and then that can change the shape of your period as well. Sometimes they can be lighter, sometimes they can be heavier, and then go into menopause, which is like when you haven't had a period for a year, and then that's like a whole other phase of life. So short answer to long answer to your question to sum up yes your periods can change throughout your life <laughs> what is a normal period what's normal so it's interesting to talk about to use the word normal when it comes to period because there is an there is a normal and i know normal can be a bit of a loaded word um but there is a kind of biological norm where we are looking to have a period that is anywhere between three to seven days. It's not it like it's not super painful. So you might get light twinges or like cramps, but it's not you're not bed bound. You're not kind of the pain doesn't stop you from living your life. You're not downing painkillers the whole time. Um, the flow it flows really well. So it's not like a tap has turned on. Um, and it's not light enough that all you need is a, t- a panty liner and that's it. Or you 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 know you want to have some flow because that means that the lining of the uterus has built up enough that you know there is something to release. Um, you're not getting massive blood clots. You are the color of the blood is the menstrual fluid is like a cranberry red or like a darker like a rich red so you're not getting a lot of spotting in the beginning leading up to your period and you're not having days of spotting afterwards you know a little you can have like a tiny bit of spotting but it's not like noticeably like you're getting lots of brown discharge and then just thinking about mood and energy you might turn a little bit inward you know, this is the time where we're naturally, you know, you have these this tradition, like ancient tradition where of the red tent, where when you're menstruating, you go into this tent and you commune 
um, with others who are having the same experience. And now, you know, we kind of, I've heard of some women, they call it being going in their period cave. You know, I, I kind of like that. It's like a hibernation. So you're turning inwards, you're slowing down, but your energy isn't like, you're not totally depleted. It's, you should be able to do what you need to do in your life. It's just maybe dialed down like a couple of notches. You know, you're not at peak energy. Is that why, this is me doing my little two plus two equals five thing, but is that why in a household when there's lots of females um, who are all of period age, often they sink? Like, is, is that... Is that the is the reason that happens because it's an opportunity for women to go into the red cave or whatever and and, yeah. and have that downtime together and and bond and and do all of that stuff? Or am, am I completely just thinking way too crazy on that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting that you mention that because you know if you. If you talk about this, you know, you'll have people just kind of poo-pooing this idea of cycles sinking and like periods sinking. But then if you speak to women like anecdotally, they'll say, oh, yeah, I lived in a house um, with like five other girls during university and we always had our periods at the same time. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, you know, like so many of us have had that Mm -hmm. experience. So there has to be something in it. But I just think that this isn't something that would ever, you wouldn't get research funded around this. Mm. So it's all (laughs) anecdotal Mm. and unfortunately anecdotal evidence doesn't tend to be taken as seriously as like big scientific studies. It's funny how the the budgets and funding decides to disappear or just miraculously disappears when you talk about things like this. It's like even when you were getting them um, I don't know if everyone has been COVID jabbed or I've had the COVID jab and no one ever said that it's going to disrupt my periods because they're like oh, it doesn't matter does it um, it does matter thank you my period after getting my jab was just different mm. <laughs> I should say but yeah it's a shame that there isn't funding and stuff like that but I yeah if men had periods boy we would know everything about yeah. everything we definitely would we definitely would it's just you know there is that someone was telling me yesterday so there with when i with hrt hormone replacement therapy about 20 years ago there was a study a really small study that made the link between a certain type of hrt and breast cancer we know now that that study was completely flawed and the way the methodology was completely flawed, but wow. and there was actually no link, but that stopped all research into menopause for a really long time just because of that one stu- study. And you think of like you know think of everything that's going on in the news at the moment with HRT and the shortages and you know everything that Davina McCall is doing. You know it is really important for women to be able to have access to this medication and this if this was I think it's if this happened to men that that wouldn't that research wouldn't have stopped 100 percent 100 percent we've actually got um um 
Karen, what's her surname? Arthur. Ah, my brain. Karen, Karen Arthur. Karen Arthur coming on the show um, yeah. in a few weeks' time to talk about um, menopause and all of that jazz. So I'm looking forward to that because I am absolutely clueless. I do not know anything about anything when it comes to um, menopause because, again, it's one of those hush-hush things. Parents don't talk about it. Grandparents don't talk about it. So it's just like, it's literally what you see on the TV. Like, oh, okay, her periods have stopped. That's it. That's it. So I'm super happy there's people like Karen Arthur and you who are willing to speak up and let us all know what lies ahead. Because there's nothing worse than just being completely unprepared and relying on your GP. And sometimes, you know, not all GPs are the same. They have to work to budgets and time schedules and everything like that. They're only going to know if they've done the extra research realistically or um, go private or you book someone like yourself as well to um, teach you about these things. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that more people are speaking up. Join the Women Who Rebrand community on Instagram. We'll share episode reminders, behind-the-scenes footage, conversations about episode topics from other creatives, and more. Join the conversation at Women Rebranded. Half of the half of the planet have periods, um, and now we're becoming more and more familiar with some of the um, issues and conditions that this half of the planet have which can affect menstrual cycles so things like endometriosis and PCOS PCOS which you've mentioned polycystic over ovary syndrome and I mean fibroids not so much but that's still something that if you have fibroids your periods can be affected um and we know that lots more um these things and I don't know if this is anecdotal or not but they seem to happen a lot more to women of color and black women and and that's another reason why there's less funding into the research of these particular conditions but given that there are so many of us affected by these things is there anything that you can suggest that we can do to help in the absence of medical intervention or maybe to supplement medical intervention yeah i think this is such an interesting question because you know fibroids they predominantly affect women of african ancestry and we can talk about why that might be even though there's a genetic component if you look at like us and canada we can talk about epigenetics you know the kind of effect of what has happened historically on genes so you know the research shows is that what happens to your grandmother can affect you, you know, and can affect you on a genetic level. So, you know, I'm speaking very, there's, these are theories, but fibroids, um, they, they, they're so, that's much more common than people realize. And they can have such a varying effect. You could have fibroids and not realize it. You know, you could have time, they're, and they could be like the size of like a cherry all the way to the size of a watermelon. Wow. And yeah, it's, I, I, I know this woman who has started a foundation in the US. It's called the Fibroid Foundation to spotlight fibroids and the effect that they have on black women predominantly. And 
she's been she's it's been really effective. She's gone all the way to the White House. Um, she had a meeting with Kamala Harris about about it because they're the, the most common um, treatment for fibroids is a hysterectomy, and you know a hysterectomy is removal of your uterus and your ovaries, a full hysterectomy. And that doesn't, it doesn't have to go that far because once you remove the uterus and the ovaries, that has a huge effect on your hormones. You go into medical menopause. And so hmm. conversations like this are really important because we firstly take the stigma out of talking about like these conditions, endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, adenomyosis, all of these conditions that have been hushed, like spoke about in hushed words. So, you know, my friend has this, or my mom had this. And we need to have these open conversations. So we take the stigma and the taboo away from talking about periods and other other conditions that affect the reproductive health. And then hopefully there'll be this kind of groundswell, which is happening around fibroids in the U.S., where there's a bill that's being tabled in the House of Representatives um, to get more research happening around fibroids. Something similar is happening in the U.K. around endometriosis, um, where, and it's all because one of the sponsors of the bill in the U.K., uh, the an MP, his either wife or daughter has endometriosis. So he had this firsthand experience of how painful and how affecting this condition um, can actually be. And but it shouldn't have to be like that. It should you shouldn't have to. Oh well, my daughter has this, or my wife, or whoever. You know these conditions that affect predominantly women and people with periods. They, you know, they should just be researched and they should be taken seriously. I feel very passionate about this. You know, the research is really powerful and they can make, it can make a massive difference. So like with endometriosis, for example, the only way to diagnose it right now is through some, um, a surgery called a laparoscopy. It's a mm-hmm. keyhole surgery where you go in and you basically see what the state of play is in the uterus and around the pelvis. But through research, we now know that people with endometriosis tend to have, they have changes, they have different cells in their menstrual blood than those without. And so that's only, that knowledge has only come about through research that has been properly funded. And so it means that in the future, we'll be able to use a blood test to diagnose endometriosis, like we use a blood test to diagnose rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. or lupus, for example, mm-hmm. instead of this invasive surgery. So the, the, the biggest thing that we can do um, is to have these conversations and talk about these conditions. So we we take out the stigma, as I say, and we we kind of help help those who are affected by these conditions figure out that there's a there's other people out there experiencing the same thing, and there's ways that they can get support. 
just thinking back to when I was at uni and there was a girl who now I now I know more about PCOS I know that she had it but I at the time I didn't and she had lots of the symptoms um like you often get lots of facial hair and and um and now she can talk about it but back then it was like no I'm just like not going to say anything she felt ashamed to bring it up and it wasn't anything to do with her it's not like she hadn't done it to herself it's just something that she was living with and the fact that this is we live in such a society which as like Sariti was saying before it's like patriarchy and and this has meant that certain things are prioritized over certain other things that mere fact led to her not being able to be open and being quite isolated from a lot of people because she felt so ashamed about it and having a a completely well it wasn't 100% awful but a very different experience at uni to one that she could have had if she'd been able to feel open enough to talk about it and and maybe someone else was suffering with it and they felt that they couldn't talk about it and just the mere fact of opening that conversation would have number one informed people about this condition and number two made other people feel safe to have that conversation and I I just like again this is something that is consistent in the conversations that we have on this podcast the, the fact that the patriarchy has had such a massive impact on our society and um, I, I don't know when we're going to be able to smash it I don't, I don't know how many hundreds of years we're going to have to wait but it's got to go it's seriously got to go because there are so many different types of conditions it would be difficult to um, discuss each one at length because um, C was saying um, is there anything we can do to alleviate the symptoms but I guess in terms of your answer the more research that you do can help that individual. So there's internet sites, there's um, foundations that you were saying um, in was it America or Canada, sorry, America. In the, yeah, in the US. So it's all about speaking and joining those groups, like Facebook groups. I'm sure there's loads, um, POS and um and the word I can never say too long um so doing the research for you and just working out what works for you yeah and kind of what in if you go into these Facebook groups what you find is there's this kind of whisper network where it's like oh you know there's this specialist that's been really helpful and you kind of get tapped into this this information hub that you wouldn't have been able to access um ordinarily and I think we should all have this information but what's really important is to be really discerning when you are going into these places because what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for you Mm -hmm. and you should be very wary of people who tout themselves as experts because they've done it themselves you know yeah just because you know I my periods used to be really painful and but what worked for me to change my period isn't going to work for someone else necessarily so you just need to be really discerning and just take everything with a grain of salt and see what will work for you on an individual level because we're all biologically different 
And also the experiences you're having and environment you're in are going to, like you said, um, affect your periods and everything anyway, your whole Your age, all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Lanise Brothers is a yoga teacher and registered nutritionist who specialises in women's health, hormones and the menstrual cycle. She's also a podcaster and author. To find out more, visit eatlovemove.com. Join her community on Instagram at eatlovemove. And I can do this because you're not American, so you won't be offended. What <laughs> in the world? See? No offence. No offence. Um, yeah. Um, we record on a Friday. We're coming to the end of Vegetarian Week, National Vegetarian Week. So as a nutritionist, do you think non-meat eaters are missing out on hormonal balancing nutrients? Are they missing out or is it just a myth? Um, I think, yes, I think they are. Ooh. Controversial. Controversial, yeah. (laughs) Love it. People will be really surprised what I'm about to say. So. You know, I think that meat has been wrongly vilified um, and meat is one of the most nutritious things that you can eat. Meat, eggs, dairy. It's Eggs are almost like the perfect food. So full of all these amazing nutrients that are so important for our hormonal and our menstrual health. And if you're eating, like we all ideally are eating food that is sourced in the best possible way so eating locally knowing where you get your food from and of course we don't all have the budget to do that but where you can you should ideally know where your food comes from but the problem is is that we have all of this factory farming and it affects the quality of our food and it's just not, not just factory farming of meat and dairy it's also factory farming of other foods and it means that you know it affects the quality of our food but to answer your answer your question i do think that there's a lot of benefit that we can get from eating meat but you have to eat meat in a way that works for you ideally it's for range it's organic and it you feel good eating it a lot of people who say like I work with a lot of vegetarian clients and we always have this discussion you know what's the basis of the vegetarianism and but they come to me with very heavy periods very painful periods and they've been told that they should eat less meat and if it's something that they're open to adding in more meat can often make them feel a lot better because you get a so if you have a heavy period you might be anemic red meat and dark poultry meat has a form of iron that is easier for the body to absorb you need to eat less of it than you do plant-based iron because with the plant-based iron it's harder for the body to absorb you need to eat it with vitamin c Mm. and you need to eat more of it so you eat a little red meat, high quality red meat, and you often feel a lot better. It has a lot of zinc in it, which is really important for our immune cells, B12. So, yeah, I do think that, you know, non-meaters are 
eating, missing out on some nutrients. Having said that, though, you can be a vegetarian and a vegan and be really healthy. It just requires more planning. Mm. So I do work, work with women who are vegans and vegetarians and they want to remain vegans and vegetarians. So we spend a lot of time figuring out how they can really get all the nutrients that they need, how they can plan their meals. Because I know from my own personal experience, you can be a really bad vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for 10 years and it it wrecked my health because I did it so badly. <laughs> um, but you, it's, I'm not saying everyone has to eat meat. I'm saying there's benefits from eating meat, but you can feel well and feel good on a vegetarian and a vegan diet if you're doing it in a very planned way. Is that what you were expecting? No, to be honest, I no. Was not. I think I've got this misconception, maybe because we've done vegetarian week last week and I'm just totally brainwashed. But yeah, it's like we're kind of thinking meat is bad, especially red meat. I tend to not eat a lot of red meat, just thinking, well, it's just better for me, isn't it? I guess. Um, but yeah different strokes for different folks I'm classed as overweight and always have been whereas my partner's always been slim we go for yearly health checks and my cholesterol is amazing apparently <laughs> um because I have such good foods it's like suppressed all the bad stuff so I'm like in your face because he's got bad cholesterol <laughs> so I'm actually the healthier one out of both of us can't look at a person and be like, you're healthy, you're not based on weight and all that as well. At all. So many misconceptions out there, so many questions. But um, it's funny that you mentioned the dairy, because dairy's always, I think dairy's got a bad rep. What are we missing out from dairy? What so, can dairy do for us? Dairy is, again, it's so full of nutrients. It's a great source of healthy fats. Um, it's a great source of protein. Um. It's a great source of zinc, which I mentioned is important for our immune cells. Um, also really important for us making testosterone and progesterone. Um, what else? The issue with dairy is that you have a lot of people who um, they have an intolerance. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> yeah, like I, my son, he will just drink a bit like a glass of milk and I just, it makes me feel, even seeing him do it makes me feel a bit sick because yeah. <laughs> I just can't have milk like that. Mm -hmm. But what I can have is yogurt and I can have mm -hmm. cheese and butter. Mm -hmm. It's because, but that's because the dairy is a little bit fermented. So it breaks down the proteins that, you know, can cause an issue for some people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, dairy is very, it's very nutritious. Um, it's just just got a bad rap but again you're trying to drink the best and eat the best possible dairy mm -hmm, yeah. organic mm -hmm. free range for sure mm. yeah none of this process bs yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, can i just tell a quick story so um when i was pregnant i I, I'd been, I was a soya milk drinker for a long time and then I realised soya is not the greatest thing. Soya milk, at least, is not the greatest thing. So um, I stopped drinking that and moved to oat. But I haven't had dairy milk for such a long time. But when I was pregnant, 
I could not get enough of it. I was literally mm-hmm. drinking it every single day of my life. Like it was a pregnancy of cow's milk, full fat cow's milk, glug, 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 glug. And clearly I was deficient in something because like all this the stuff that you're saying you get from cow's milk, I, I didn't even realise. I just thought I liked the taste, but it's now just clicking. That was what that was about. Because as soon as I had her, it was like, this is disgusting. I can't drink this at all. And I was back onto the um, alternative, the dairy alternative. That's number one. Number two, made mac and cheese the other day. Well, I didn't make mac and cheese the other day, but I, I, somebody made it for me, a family member, um, and used um, dairy cheese. And some of the cheese didn't actually melt. It was, and they had actually gone out and sourced proper, like good cheese but it didn't melt. It, it was like a lump of plastic in the mac and cheese. We had to throw it away because we were so scared. We thought it had been like just like, a batch that had been infiltrated by somebody trying to poison. Yeah, anyway. But like, what's that about? And maybe you're not the right person to ask Denise, but like, was that just plastic cheese? Was that made of spread or something? Like, what What? What happened? I'm desperate. That's why I'm asking. No, it was what dairy. Dairy cheese. Like cheddar. Oh, that's weird. Then maybe it wasn't cooked properly because, you know, I make mac and cheese all the time and, you know, you want that cheese to melt Mm. and, like, the top to be crispy. Mm. So if if you're getting lumps, yeah, not cooked properly. You two make me jealous because I have to put up with that vegan cheese and it just Mm. tastes like coconut rubbish. There's no substitute that tastes like cheese, and I'm missing out 100%. 100%. Every week we get our guests to offer some words of advice to our listeners. So, Lanise, in your experience, if someone is having really bad issues with irregular, heavy, or painful periods, um, or they just want to be checked out by their GP, they're not being taken seriously. What advice can you give them? What can they do if they feel they're not being listened to? Yeah, this is a really important one and something I hear all the time. So don't be afraid. Firstly, don't be afraid to push again at your GP. I think, you know, it's important to go into that situation feeling really empowered and really prepared. So you're going ideally with, Lots of information about what's going on with your health, information about your menstrual cycles, what's going on with your periods, just giving like yourself a vocabulary to express what you're experiencing. And so, and it's all written down so that if you go into the the GP, you know, your mind might go blank, but at least you can like look at your phone, look at your notes or whatever you choose to document everything in and say well actually this is what's going on and being really clear about what you want to get out of that situation is it a diagnosis is it medication is it a referral is it some testing what is it that you actually want um and then if you find that your gp is just saying things like oh it's bad periods are normal period pains are normal um Ask to be referred to another GP in that practice. Document, ask the GP to just, you know, make a note um, that you've asked for 
to be referred to another GP within the practice. Or if you don't want to do that, you find that too confronting, to speak to the reception receptionist and ask them, ask to see another GP. Because, you know, you deserve to be listened to and you deserve not to be dismissed. If you're not getting any, making any headway that way, there's a couple other routes you can take. You can take someone with you and ask and help ask them to advocate on your behalf. You know, annoyingly, like I've spoken to women before when they've taken their partners with them, their male partners with them, often they have more success. It's very annoying, very, very annoying. Or if you're going through the NHS, they have a patient advocacy service that you can tap into. All of this is putting the onus on you, unfortunately, and, you know, you having to take the responsibility for doing all these things, which is, you know, quite can be quite draining. But take it step by step. Start with your GP. Start by being really prepared in that situation. Make sure that any refusals for testing or medication or referrals are noted on your file. Because within the NHS, everything goes on a central database. So you can access your notes um, and you can see what's been written. And if you switch GPs or switch surgeries, they'll be able to access your your notes from your last surgery. Um, and if you have the means, you can go private. And, you know, at the sad state of the world is that you often get better care when you go private. So if you have insurance through work that gives you the opportunity to do that, or you have the means to pay out of pocket, then that can be a really great, a great um, choice to make. Thank you so much. This yeah. has come so quickly and there's so much more to learn about hormones and everything else. And even pregnancy, hormones that's like a whole nother chapter like you were saying see you're addicted no craving milk I was craving kebabs had to send Danny to the kebab shop at like 11 o'clock in the morning (laughs) and then that must have been the red meat obviously now I see it but yeah thank you so much Lenise amazing because there's so many things that we need to talk about um yeah yeah, thank you so much for our lovely listeners where can they find you where can they get more information about what you do and even book you yeah so you can go onto my website it's www.eatlovemove.com and you can find out more about me what I do you can book an appointment with me um you can find me on Instagram. It's at Eat Love Move. And you can also buy my book, which is available anywhere you buy books online. It's called You Can Have a Better Period. Amazing. Fantastic. And I will be sure to put that in the show notes um, and in our, on our blog. We'll put all the links for um, everyone there as well. Thank you so much, Lenise. Thanks for having me. Lovely talking to you. Take care. Bye. Women Who Rebrand is available on your favourite podcast platforms, including Acast, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Overcast. You can find guest information, recommendations and links on our blog, womenwhorebrand.com.